Lord, and feel your presence. In your name we pray, amen. So good morning, everyone. We have been in a series saying, of yes, I'm with him, of saying, you know, the, the shirts that people say, I'm, I'm with her, I'm with him, and kind of, kind of a play on that of saying, yes, I'm with him, I'm with God. Sometimes Jesus does some things, though, that are a little bit questionable to some people. People might kind of say, reluctantly say, yes, I'm with him. So we're, we're still looking at those. And today we're going to look at something that Jesus did. But to start with, I'm going to look at this. Many of us in this room, I don't think we like to waste anything, do we? Like we're, we're not wasteful people. Maybe we've grown up in homes where, where there's scarcity, where there just is, there's just not a lot of things. When money's tight, there's not a lot of extra money, and you don't want anything to go to waste. You don't buy anything more than you need it. You eat leftovers, nothing goes to waste. Even if leftovers are, say, a month old, you just scrape the mold off of it, and then you just eat it. <laughs> You're laughing at me, but who, who has not done that with cheese? You cut the cheese off and eat it. Like, see? You, make, you think I'm, but you've all done it. And you stockpile things. You don't really stockpile things, but if they're on sale, now remember there used to be a newspaper and you'd cut, the ads would come out on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays, right? And you'd go through the ads and you'd go to the grocery store and if something was a really good stale, you'd stock up on it like, a, like 100 cans of hominy. I agree. Like I'm not sure why you would even buy that because nobody eats that stuff. That's, I mean, that's like bloated corn that doesn't really taste like anything except for like waterlogged cardboard. But if you saw somebody, someone about to waste something, like if they, they, you would ask, like you'll ask them for them, hey, are you going to throw that away? Do you, do you mind if I take that? And I have friends, or I've had people, I've been around people that they'll even do that with food. Like they'll see people, like they're complete strangers, they don't even know who they are, and they'll begin to, the waiter, waitress or waitress will be taking that food back and say, well, just a minute, can I have that food of yours? Like that's kind of gross, but they do that. You know, and then they bring it home, and you, you stockpile it, you put it somewhere, and it kind of teeters between not letting things go to waste and becoming a hoarder. And ultimately, it does go to waste because you never do anything with it. But point is, is that we don't like to waste things. In fact, waste is everywhere, though. It's everywhere. I mean, that's why we have a landfill, to take our waste. Wind blows. This week, we've had some storms blow through, and I'm sure that you're like me. You saw the waste of the world just gets blown right by your house, and sometimes the wind stops, and it just stops at your house, so you've got to go pick it up. But we throw food away that it might even be good food, but we just throw it away, but it, it goes to waste. So I think everybody in this room, we can just agree that we think waste is a bad thing, that nobody really wants to be wasteful. Now, growing up, at least my daughter growing up, she's probably one of the biggest wasters I know. We would go to dinner or we would have dinner and she would fill her plate with food or order all this food for dinner and, and she'd take like two bites and say, oh, I don't like it or oh, I'm full or oh, whatever it is. And so we th are thinking, well, we'll take it home and she'll eat it later for leftovers. Nope. Leftovers are gross. I don't, I'm not going to eat those. I won't touch those. So then who ends up eating them? I end up eating them, which you can probably tell. Because I don't like things to go to waste. I don't like to be thrown away. But the funny thing is about that is when she moved out of my house and got her own place and started paying for her own bills and doing her own thing, I was at her house, and it's funny, I saw her eating leftovers. Isn't that amazing? But that's, that's another day. We'll talk about that another day. 
But waste is something we don't like, especially when it costs us something. I'm going to say Jesus was extremely wasteful. We're going to look at some stories today. We're going to look at, it's mostly be in Luke 7 today. But before we get to those, I'm going to give you some examples of what I'm talking about. Because some of you, like I heard Arnie go, hmm, started scratching his head. Matthew 14. This is a story. Jesus feeds 5,000 people. He starts with five loaves of bread and two fish. And when they're done, there's 12 basketfuls of leftovers. What do you think happened to those leftovers? Do you think they got eaten? Maybe they went to waste. We don't know. Matthew 15, we see the next chapter. Feeds 4,000 people. Again, starts with a few loaves of bread and a few fish. We see seven basketfuls of leftover. Again, did it go to waste or did it get eaten? Now, I would think if Jesus is going to perform a miracle, he's going to provide enough food just for the people that are there. There's no need for leftovers. Or was he thinking, well, we'll send everybody with a doggy bag or a little knapsack for a late midnight lunch? Or was he being wasteful? Now, another example of this is the wedding feast in Cana. This is Jesus' first like, miracle. This is his arrival on the scene. It's in John 2. It's getting to the end of the night. I'm sure guests are starting to go home. The, 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 the party's almost over. The, you know, the dollar dance has already been done. The, the father, the bride, and the bride dances. That's all been done. They've cut the cake. Mary comes up to Jesus, his mom, and he says, Jesus, you got to do something about the wine. They're out of wine. Which, that's a big no-no in weddings of those days. You can't be run out of wine. So Jesus, he solves the problem, but he solves the problem in such a way, he turns six 30-gallon containers of water into wine. And not just wine, but like the best wine. Now, I don't know if six 30-gallon containers is a lawful lot of wine, and it's the end of the night. So who's going to drink all of that? It's not like, you know, a cork has a little tiny thing. I'm not, a 30-gallon container is like, I've never seen a cork that big to put a cork in a jar and keep that. So maybe Jesus was wasteful. Now Jesus, at times, they accused him of being a drunkard. They accused him of being a glutton. Something that's considered wasteful or wasting. He's accused of wasting too much time being, of being with sinners. He's wasting too much time by talking and eating with the sinners. So maybe Jesus was considered to be wasteful. Or was he? Let's look at Luke 7. verse. We're going to look at 36 through 50. We're going to go through this pretty fast because it's a, it's a long section. But when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And she stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, Is this man, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back. So he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt 
for, beggar debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You, you did not give me wa any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not even give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say something themselves. Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. But look at this story. Simon and, and, and other virgins, the disciples are all hung up on this perfume. They're saying that it was a waste. This, this perfume was the waste. And then Simon's even saying, and, and the people there arguing that Jesus is wasting his time by letting this woman touch him. Wasting even his reputation by letting this woman, who's, this woman is a sinner. Jesus, why are you letting this woman touch you? This woman and other counselor, her name is Mary. Not the mother of Jesus, but a different Mary. Now when I read this story, I think of, you guys will think of your grandma when she comes to visit. Or maybe even your mom. Remember the stinky perfumes she wears? She puts on way too much. Way too much. Everything she touches smells like it for the next year until she visits again. She comes up and gives you a hug. And the last thing is, like, you just can't wait to get your clothes off and go take a shower because it's so smelly. And I'm think, that's what I'm thinking when I think of this perfume, of pouring a whole jar of perfume out and thinking, it's, well, it's got to smell like that. But this jar of perfume... Think of it, you just need a little tiny bit to, to, to make the smell in the entire room. And she poured out the whole jar. Now, I know it's a room full of stinky men, but still, we're not that stinky. And here she is, she's weeping so badly that she washed Jesus' feet with her tears. And she dried his feet with her hair and then pours this entire jar of perfume on his feet. What a waste, right? Like, that's a waste. Didn't this woman know that you just need a small amount? You don't need the entire amount. And then Jesus, why didn't you stop her? Like, you should have known that. You could have stopped her from wasting all that perfume. And other accounts, and like I mentioned, Matthew and Mark, for one, is that in this story, the disciples, and especially Judas, were so upset about this waste because they said this perfume could have been sold for a year's wages. Of course, Judas had other intentions, but the other disciples were saying, we could have fed, fed many people if this was sold. But was Jesus being wasteful when he let this being poured out on him? Do you think maybe then the disciples were reluctantly saying, yes, I'm with him as they kind of walked the other way. But Jesus knew what Simon was thinking. He knew what Simon was thinking. It tells him a story of forgiving people, that owed of a man who, who had money, and he forgave people that owed him money. One man owed him a whole lot of money. One man owed him just a little bit of money. But both men were being forgiven of debt. And Jesus saying, which one, which one would probably love this man better? Simon says, well, yeah, the one with the bigger debt. So I think Jesus is making this point. Jesus says this, is, is that you forgive little, you love little. You forgive much, you love much. So should we just forgive a little bit? Or should we forgive a lot? Should we completely forgive? 
Or can we even partially forgive? Can, can we be partially forgiven? But if you notice in the story, Jesus tells this woman that all your sins, your many sins are forgiven. Not just those little ones, but all of them. The little ones and the big ones, completely forgiven. And why? Because Jesus' love is great. Jesus doesn't partially forgive us. He completely forgives us. Jesus doesn't waste his forgiveness either. Jesus doesn't try to waste it or try to limit his forgiveness. Jesus pours out his grace upon us, pours out his forgiveness on all of our sins, pours out so much grace and forgiveness upon us that for some, might appear like he's being wasteful. Like Simon in our story. He felt Jesus was wasting his time with this woman. Why waste that on this woman? I want to look at this word grace. Because it, 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 it's kind of the theme behind this whole, this whole section. We talk about it a lot. We name our kids Grace. In fact, my mom's name was Grace. But what is it? In the Old Testament, grace is a pretty rich word. Old Testament, grace is the favor of God to human beings. Now, what does that mean in, in, in terms that we understand? It is God giving us acts of kindness. It's God's kindness to us beyond what we deserve, beyond what is due to us. This other aspect of grace is that it's an undeserved gift. It's an undeserved gift that can be requested, that we ask for grace. And it's freely given. This grace is freely given. And this grace that is given by God is for everyone. It's not just one particular person. It is for everyone. Grace is not given also, like, I can't make a threat and make someone give me grace. I can't force someone into it. I can't tell, say, you have to give me grace. To the Israelites of this day, this grace, was an, it's an action. And it's requested, they request it from God. They request this grace from God for aid in the poor, to be delivered from the oppressed, to, to be delivered from oppression when someone's ruling over you or just dominating over you. They're healing of the sick. Forgiveness of sins after repentance. Again, that's kind of out there a little bit. So let's try to break this down even a little bit more. So grace is something freely given to us by God that we do not deserve. Grace, really, by its definition, it has to be undeserved. God doesn't have to give it to us either because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Yet God gives us grace, abundant, overflowing grace. So let's, let's go back to Aspen and her wasting of her food when she was little. Because food's expensive, right? Especially in this world. Like, it is expensive. I had to, Kim and I had to extend lots of grace to her. Grace she didn't deserve. What she deserved, which was to probably sit down in a chair and say, you're not moving until you eat all this food, which she probably would still be in that chair because she's so stubborn. She didn't get that. Instead, she got what she didn't deserve. She got grace. Most of you with children, you understand what I mean. They require a lot of grace. Aiden, Savannah, they require a lot of grace. Now, there's another word associated with grace. There's another word that some of you have heard this before. This, is a, this one's even more complex. 
It's not easy to find. This is the word known as hesed. There's not an English word that's equivalent to this word, so I can't tell you hesed means this. But I can tell you what kind of some words they use to define this. They define this word as kindness, as steadfast love, or a covenant love. They say it's God's unconditional, unbreakable love for us. But there's more to this word, too. His said is it's not an emotion or an attitude towards us. It's not something that, that really changes. It's an action word. It requires action. Usually this action, this his said, is given to us in a form of being rescued or being given protection. Something else Hesed is, Hesed requires a relationship requires a relationship between God and his people, between God and us. God in the Old Testament, God and his people, the Israelites. Now we see diff two different kinds of relationships here. Abraham and Moses, as a lot of you know, they heard God. They spoke with God. They had interactions with God. But the Israelites, these are God's chosen people. God had a relationship with them. And the majority of them didn't speak with God. They didn't have that kind of relationship with them. It was more of an implied relationship. So we see in this relationship, this direct relationship that Abraham and Moses had, they spoke, spoke with God. And the Israelites had had this relationship, but wasn't one where God, they were actively hearing this voice of God and, and God just kind of going, hey, what's up in their lives? But they had this relationship. Hesed, as I said, is an action, not just an emotion or feeling. This action is requested. This action is expected to be given. And the person that gives his said, who is God, is someone through circumstances is in a superior position to the one asking or is in a situation of being in superior to the person requesting. The person in need of hesed is unable to perform the action of hesed. Like you can't give it to yourself. Because you lack the power, you lack the resources. So now that I have you all really, really confused, you're all going, what in the heck is he talking about? Let me try to give you an example. So I, I told you a few weeks ago I collect crosses, or I have some crosses hanging in my office. So let's say Aiden, who's kind of a young punk, comes into my office, and I'm the one that's superior to him, right? Comes into my office rips all the crosses off the wall, breaks them all. In fact, he doesn't just stop there. He just throws everything, destroys my entire office, makes this gigantic mess. I come in. Aiden is sitting there in his office. He looks at me, and he requests me to forgive him, to show him his head, to show him kindness, to show him this unconditional, unbreakable love. He doesn't deserve that. No way does he deserve that. But yet, he looks at me and smiles at me like, remember that? No, that smile, he smiles at you. I'm sure it... It works with your mom. It works with Mo, but it doesn't work with me. So he's looking at me, these puppy dog's eyes smiling at me. I'm saying, that doesn't work with me. So that's this coerce. Like, he can't force me to give him his set. He can't look at me with these puppy dog eyes and make me give this to him. He can't manipulate me to show him his set. I'm free to give it or I'm free not to give it. And Aiden is unable to do it himself. He's unable to meet this need that he has for Hesed for him, this forgiveness and this unbreakable, this, this unconditional love. 
He's in need of it, and he can't meet his own need regardless of whatever he does. It's, it's not attainable for it. He can't give it to himself. It's only I can give it. So I need to give him grace. I need to give forgiveness to Aiden. Because like I said, he certainly doesn't deserve it. But this idea of said when looked at, at this relationship of God, this relationship of God being that superior, and us humans, we don't deserve anything from our actions. There's nothing that we can do. Our actions are not good. When we think of this said, it would be appropriate, I think, I think you can see there's this underlining meaning that, that includes grace. Grace that God freely gives us. Nothing we can do makes us deserve it. We can't manipulate God into giving it to us. We can only appeal to God as being the only source of his said. These, God's the only source of this grace that, for the mess that we made of our lives. Only God can rescue us. Only God can provide for us. Only God can give us this unconditional, unbreakable love. Give us the grace we don't deserve. So if we come back to our story of this woman, this woman knew that Jesus was that person that was able to give her this grace. Give her what she, she didn't deserve it. Give her forgiveness. This jar of perfume, she probably knew it had great value. And she gave it all to Jesus. Showing that it is only in Jesus that her sins could be forgiven. And the need to give all of herself to Jesus and acknowledge that it is only Jesus who can give her the grace she needed. Good Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not for yourself. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The last verse of this section in Luke says that this says this woman, it is your faith that has saved you. It wasn't that bottle of perfume. It wasn't anything else she could do other than put her faith in Jesus. Mary wasn't wasting that bottle of perfume. If you really look at this, Mary was worshiping Jesus. Mary was at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. Mary knew that perfume was expensive. And she knew that gift. She knew by giving all of her, everything she had to Jesus, she knew that the gift that she was going to receive from Jesus was priceless. The same gift that we receive from Jesus when we receive this forgiveness of our sins, when we have this grace poured out on us so abundantly that some people might think that that's a waste. But in God's economy, it's, God's economy isn't one way it started with. It's, a, it's one of scare, scarcity. It's, it, God's economy is not one where we're afraid to waste anything. In God's economy, it's one of abundance. An abundant life that, that, that we get by by Jesus, by God just pouring out on us when we accept this authority of Jesus and we place our, our lives in the hands of Jesus and we begin to worship him like Mary did. An abundance of grace poured out on us. To God, the only waste is a life 
without Jesus in it. God's about immersion, abundant mercy, abundant grace, abundant love just being poured out on us. Just hang on for a little bit more. That's what I'm talking about here is the waste. Just hang on. Jesus, Jesus. some people was, would say he was so wasteful, pouring out his grace upon us. If we look at this, Jesus was so wasteful in some people's eyes, pouring out his grace upon us that it cost him his life. Jesus poured out his blood on the cross. He poured out his blood to cleanse us of the wrongs that we've done, extending grace to us that we didn't deserve. Yet we receive abundantly. We receive all of this abundantly, while some people might consider it a waste. So why would Jesus do this for me? Why would he do it for all of us? We might, might think that we're a waste, maybe. We might think that our life is a waste. We might think that there's no hope for me. Maybe Mary felt that way in our story. Imagine she was probably depleted of hope, thinking maybe her life was a waste. What's, what's the point? And Jesus poured out mercy upon her, poured out grace upon her, poured out love upon her, so much that Simon, who is there, thinks, Jesus, why are you being so wasteful? Why are you bothering with this woman? Jesus pouring out grace and saying to this woman, your sins are forgiven. So what about us? Can we identify, do we, or do we identify with Simon maybe? Do we forgive little sometimes and we love little? Do we, do we think Jesus <coughs> is wasting his time on this woman? Do we think people are wasting their time just hanging out with people like this woman, hanging out with people that, that are sinners? And they think that's just a waste of time. You just need to hang out with the people that are just like you. Thinking you should be wasting your time if you hung around with sinners like Jesus did. Or are you like this woman, Mary? Do you acknowledge that my life's a mess? I need this hesed that I talked about. I need this forgiveness. I need grace. I need this unconditional, unbreakable love. I need to come to the feet of Jesus, and I need to pour out all that I have to worship him. I need to receive forgiveness that Jesus abundantly pours out on us. So much that people think that maybe Jesus is being wasteful. Other people think, maybe, why are you wasting your time with these people? I'm going, to take, I'm going to take wasteful. If it means living in an abundant life with Jesus, if it means living in an abundance of mercy and grace and forgiveness poured out on all of us, I'm going to choose that. Now what if we follow this example of being wasteful? That we're being wasteful maybe with all we have. We, we're so wasteful we pour it out on Jesus. We pour it all out and give it all to Jesus and worshiping Jesus just like Mary did. It's not wasteful. But our entire life was about worshiping Jesus. But like I said, I don't think it's really being wasteful. What if we made it a habit of being like Jesus and as some people think, being wasteful in the mercy and love that we pour out on each other? 
that we're as wasteful as Jesus, we're as wasteful as Jesus was according to Simon, when we see a person hurting, when we see a person without hope, when we see a person without Jesus, and we, through our mercy and our grace and our love towards that person, we pour it out on them also. We become like Jesus and we waste it all. Waste all our mercy, all our grace and love on each other. So wasteful that our that our lives are overflowing with mercy and grace and love towards each other. Just as Jesus does to us. It just does to me. Even when I, we don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. To Simon, Jesus was wasteful. But Jesus isn't wasteful. God didn't create waste. We're not a waste. God created us in his image. And God abundantly pours out his mercy and grace upon us. I'm going to give Tim credit for this because we were, I was talking with Tim and this is his, we were talking about this and it actually applied to this. So say I gave all of you a piece of paper in this room. Say you got a handout here and I said turn it on the blank part of that piece of paper. Write down everything you've ever done in your life that's bad. Write down everything that, that you've done, every destructive thing you've done, every mean thing you've done, every law that you've broken. Write down every single one of your deep dark secrets everything that someone could use against you everything that you would need to ask forgiveness about so I took your time you wrote this all down but then I said give it to the person next to you or give it to a stranger you don't know let him read it and then ask him to forgive you ask him to show you mercy ask them to show you love this has said and pour it out over you kind of interesting you guys were kind of choking along going along as soon as I said give it to somebody else it got dead quiet in here you're okay with it till I said hand it to someone else but that's what God does that's what Jesus is doing in this story he knows everything that's on that piece of paper he knows everything about he knows he knows he already knows it and he's giving us mercy he's forgiving our sins He's giving us that unconditional, unbreakable love. Not holding anything back. Pouring out so much mercy and grace upon us that, like I said, Peter, people like Simon, I think Jesus was being wasteful. Maybe we could follow this example of wastefulness and pour this mercy and grace and love out on, on one another. So much so that people just watching that don't really know what's going on will go, why are you being so wasteful? They'll recognize that wastefulness. They'll start to ask question, what, what's that about? So maybe then we come to the conclusion is, yes, I'm with him. Let's pray. Lord, I just give this day to you.